My name is Dr. Justin Alger, and this is the Future Future College Parent Podcast. Students that utilize those resources the most are going to be that much more successful upon graduation. Hello, future college parents, moms, dads, and any family member who's helping a student get to college. Welcome to the Future College Parent Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to arming parents like you, our original influencers, with free information and resources to help the next generation of students prepare, choose, and finance college. And by college, I mean any and all education after high school or equivalent. And by parent, I mean anyone helping a young human through schooling towards college. This show is predicated with the belief that anyone can access and pay for college if they want to and should start preparing as early as the sixth grade. I am your host, Dr. Justin Alger, but you can call me Justin. That voice you heard over the intro music is the guest of episode 11, Mr. Andy Crawford, Acting Associate Director of Undergraduate and Graduate Admissions Operations at Bentley University. In this episode, we discuss graduate school preparation, choice, and finance. Our focus is on the Master of Business Administration degree, but the discussion is relevant to admission to a variety of graduate programs. Andy really enjoys the work he does helping students gain admission to graduate programs at Bentley. Now, I mentioned in the episode that the idea of attending graduate school is aspirational for future college parents in that the episode assumes that students have made it through a traditional undergraduate program and have graduated. Congratulations. The points I want to make are twofold. One, I want to inspire you to not only believe your student can attend a traditional college if they want to, but also can earn a master's degree as well. It's not out of the realm of possibility, I promise you. Second, I hope you see the good work that you're doing to help your student now will be applicable in helping them navigate admissions to graduate school as well. And I hope that you enjoy my interview with Andy. Andy, welcome to the Future College Parent Podcast. Thank you for being here, and thank you for helping future college parents. I really appreciate you being on the Future College Parent Podcast. Welcome to the show. Yeah, Justin, thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. I really have a great great appreciation for this podcast and topic. I'll say that uh, with my one-year-old son, I'm thinking about him already in 17 years, and I hope any advice I might give today will hold up. So again, thanks for having me. Wow. That's really, that's really kind of you. And I think, uh, I share at the top of the show that, that students should start preparing as early as the sixth grade. I don't know about a one year old, if we need to start worrying about that now, but who knows, maybe it's the future, 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 future college parent podcast. <laughs> Can you start out by sharing your role and describing what capacity you support parents and students in their post-secondary, specifically their graduate education adventures. Yeah, absolutely. So I started working in graduate enrollment management at the University of New England in Portland, and I largely worked with health professions programs, working with aspiring physician assistants, so PAs and and pharmacists, and there's a doctor of dental medicine program, uh, preparing students to go through the application process, managing that application funnel working with admissions committees on their admission interviews and uh, working on yield marketing activities to keep people engaged as they're as they're going along in their process and getting them onboarded and connected with student services and financial aid to prepare for their graduate education and i've taken that experience and 
moved on to Bentley University starting in fall 2018, where we support graduate business programs. So I have worked with the MBA population. I've worked with our MS analytics programs, as well as accounting and finance. There's uh, a great offering of, of business-oriented programs here at Bentley. Now, as we discussed, this episode is aspirational for future college parents in that the episode assumes that parents have made it through a traditional undergraduate program and they've graduated. What I think I'd like to do here is walk through the graduate admissions process so future college parents can see the similarities between helping their student prepare for undergraduate admission. And I'd like the interview to flow in the progression of the student experience, starting with preparation, choice, and finance. Does that sound okay? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's start with graduate school preparation. So your school is a private university focused on business. Now, what type of programs and majors do students enroll in there? Our foundation uh, program is the Master of Business Administration. And with that, we have seven concentrations that include business analytics, finance, marketing, and um, data and IT. So if, you really, if you're really looking for that foundation of general business program knowledge, a macro level of how all the departments work, how to get in a room with the accounting, the finance, uh, the IT professionals to make your your business or your department um, thrive and grow, then the Master of Business Administration is the program for you. Our Career Services Department, again, since everything's geared towards business, they're incredibly helpful with helping students to to land internship opportunities, to help forecast what their career might look like out of their degree. Our academic advising team will help to select which concentration or cluster that that might suit you based on your, your interests and goals. So I think one of the great pieces of advice towards applying and then when you're enrolled in graduate school is just to utilize the resources. Contact our admissions office. There might be something on the website that you may have not seen that's available to you uh, in terms of your the competitiveness of your application, in terms of scholarship opportunity. And then when you're a student, making sure that you're connecting well with our career development team and our academic advising team. And the students that utilize those resources the most are going to be that much more successful upon graduation. Just to recap, so the primary major is the MBA or Masters of Business Administration, and then there's several different areas that someone can focus under within the the Masters of of Business Administration? Yes, that's right, and accounting and and also finance and business analytics. So I'd say that if you really know your specialty and you want to drill down into that specific content, and MS is going to be your uh, your best bet. If you want a more broad business understanding and you want a touch point of four classes with that complementary uh, skill set that you can get with the concentration, then an MBA will be the, the program for you. But the MS programs are typically 10 to 11 courses where the MBA is completed between 12 and 15 courses. Wow. And I didn't realize that there were so many different options in business, but I guess it makes sense. As you mentioned, there's so many different areas in in the business world, accounting and, and finance and IT. And, and I wanted to go back too, to your point about utilizing the services that campuses do have once once students do get on campus and they're enrolled in, 
in schools is, is very, very important. You talked about career services. You talked about connecting to internships, connecting to future employment and these type of things. So point well, well taken that make sure that while you're, when you're enrolled in graduate education, that you're taking advantage of those services that the institution provides as well. Now, I'm wondering, what are the pathways that your students take to get to graduate school? Do they come directly from from an undergraduate program or do they or they do they go into the workforce for a while and then decide to come back? Yeah, so I would say that there's no one size fits all with graduate education. I if I if I were to give any advice for to parents for those that are are helping their child along with pursuing graduate school is just to allow your child that space and determining the research and when is the right time for you. I meet all kinds of um, people that are of are wide levels of direction and what they want to do. So if I interview somebody that that some for our master's taxation program, some some students might be coming from undergrad and they might already have a job offer uh, two years out and and they're saying they want to get their um, uh, master's or if they're an accounting they're 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 an accounting major they might want an MBA or an MSA to work toward their CPA and that's exactly what they want to do so I would say for for anybody that has that clear-cut direction go for it you can continue on in the graduate school it's going to make you that much more competitive upon graduating to have that graduate credential and for those that aren't quite sure there's no no harm in taking a couple of years and and figuring it out the timing should be right for you as an individual and there's no one size fits all it's just based on when is going to be the best time for you and the most relevant to apply what you're learning in the classroom to your profession so you really want to think about the education being applied and the immediate impact that it's going to have on your career. And now are admission standards to graduate programs similar to undergraduate programs? For example, are there open enrollment? Are there selective, highly selective graduate programs? Yeah, there are. And I'd say that that Bentley runs similar to to undergrad where it's a competitive institution. and, And while we're accepting all all um, ages, it, it does turn out to be a competitive class for admission. And and we require the GMAT or GRE. In some of our programs, there are waiver opportunities based on work experience or um, your GPA requirement, or if you have a professional credential already, like a CPA. So there's, there's, there's ways in which that if you are younger and don't quite have all the work experience that you can show in your application via those test scores. But it's something that in a trend that I've seen in connecting with colleagues within the association and other other areas I'm involved in to staying connected to the profession that more institutions are are aiming to to a holistic model and making sure that we have an inclusive model and understanding that we are um, evaluating a lot of a lot of uh, people from different different areas and with different means and resources so and we want to keep that in mind while making sure that we have the most fair and consistent uh, practice as possible so that definitely comes with 
with challenges, but we all aim to do the best that we can. So I, I've seen actually a lot of institutions adopt more of a test optional policy between the GMAT and GRE, but it might also depend on what they're requiring for work experience. And now this, the GMAT or the GRE, are these entrance exams like the SAT or the ACT for undergraduate? Yeah, exactly. So the G, GMAT might be more of your, your business um, business oriented sort of SAT SAT comparison. So the GRE and GMAT, they both assess your verbal scores, your quantitative scores, and and your writing ability, really a standardized test and kind of really the graduate equivalent to an SAT. How can a student make their graduate application stand out? You mentioned you had work experience, a high GPA, strong test scores. Yes. Other areas... I'll start with the essays because the essays are really a critical piece to our review. So we really are looking for people that have that genuine interest in Bentley University. We want to see that you've researched our programs. We want to see that you are well prepared to take on graduate school and have conveyed that in your essay. And we really are looking for you to tell us why you think that Bentley University is the best fit for you. So I can't say... Uh, I can't emphasize enough for for those looking into it, looking into graduate school to research the specific institutions that you're applying to and try to tailor your application towards what we're looking for after you've had that conversation with an admission officer, admissions counselor, and reading up on the website and any informational materials that you that you might have gathered and and really be mindful of the questions being asked. And I would say for Letters of recommendation, you really want to just consider who is going to advocate for you to succeed in the classroom and that you'll be a a valuable member of the classroom and community, as I've said. And it might be different from somebody that you're, you're using for a job application. It might not have to be a professional reference. You can still use an academic reference. You can use somebody that you've you've worked under at your institution or done a volunteer um, project with or led. Um, if you're in the in the younger um, younger sort of demographic applying to graduate schools, and to just touch base with your recommenders and say it's this is what Bentley's looking for. So going back to that research that you've already done for your essays, and you can clue in your recommendation writers a little bit on Bentley values, career direction on what I want to do in the next the next year or two. They value that I'm going to be an active participant in the community for the full-time program, and they value that I'm, I'm going to to network and look forward to connecting with colleagues and and utilizing those those campus resources and getting in touch with maybe graduate student organizations and things like that. So um, as much as much research as you can do and and tailor that in your essay and also cluing in your recommendation writers. Well, that's good. And and not only do you suggest that a that a student reach out before they apply but you encourage that and i think that that's that's fantastic that you that you have that or you've you've made yourself available for students prior prior to applying to gain admission so they can do everything that they can 
to make sure they're they're telling you what it is that's important to to gain admission. And so let's move on to graduate school choice. Now, I know we talked very broadly about why someone would want to decide to go to to graduate school, but specifically why why do students your students tell you that they have decided to come to graduate school? One point of wanting to pursue graduate education is that you'll see jobs that are listing master of business administration or another program uh, preferred in the job application. So it's for those that are looking to, to move up in their career, or they're looking to, to have the competitive edge when they're entering the, the workforce, having that master's degree is, is going to certainly make you much more competitive as you're looking for the jobs that, that you desire. Another Another instance that I hear all the time with people wanting to pursue business programs is maybe they started off in a totally different field and they're coming back six or seven, 10, 15 years later and they're saying, I want to do a career change and I know I have this idea of what I want to do in this profession, but I want to be more in the business end of it. So in Boston, in the Boston market, naturally, we have a lot of a lot of nurses, we have teachers. And so big health uh, education technology market. And we see a lot of people in those spaces, spaces that like a technology example would be somebody who's been maybe a data analyst for for the last several years, and they're looking to get more of that leadership exposure. So they're looking for their their MBA to to get those classes and that that business understanding so then that they can facilitate those conversations and and sort of move up from the work that they had been doing prior. So we see a lot of a lot of career changers and a lot of people that are seeking to to move up with within their organization. I mean that that makes perfect sense. Now you mentioned uh, health professional careers in in your area. What types of undergraduate majors do students have before they apply for an MBA program? Many people will have a, a business degree that, that just move forward with the Master of Business Administration and or it's or it's maybe an accounting major or a finance major or um, Maybe they've they've gone. Bentley has like an actuarial science, so maybe you've, maybe you've done more of a specialized undergrad and going in for your for your MBA, or maybe you're a business major and now you want to go towards a more specialized master's degree, like a business analytics, where you've already got that that business foundational coursework, and now you're going into a specialized subject area. But it's really the same same sort of thought is is. I've seen it as a misconception where people think they might not be competitive for business school. Um, even if you're, I've seen people that are psychology majors from undergrad, but then they fell into a career where they're, they started in some sort of customer service role, moved into a sales representative, and now they're a regional sales director, but they really want that that formal business education. So it's, it's, it's one of the most interesting things about working with business programs is that we see all kinds of majors coming in from, 
my experience at the University of New England, it's much more, much more um, of a path if you're going to be a physician assistant. There's prerequisite courses that you have to complete as part of your admission requirements. So usually that's outlined well in the in the before applying stages is that this is what you need to do to prepare to to apply. I can't remember all of the prerequisite courses. It was a long time ago, but um, each health profession had their own prerequisite courses. I remember the OT program had more of the psychology courses and and um, pharmacy and, um, or I would say dental and PA and, and pharmacy, they would have they would have much more of the biology, chemistry. Um, I believe, I believe all of them, um, anatomy and physiology, one and two. Um, some would require calculus, so it's all laid out in, in terms of what you what you need to have with you when you apply. So we'll see a lot more, a lot more of the sciences undergrad majors coming into those health professions programs. But we also see somebody that is maybe in their 30s and had a totally different major and has gone back to community college to take those classes. And now they're doing a career transition and they have a lot of great experience, too. So so it's I'd say it's never never too late to to pivot if it's something that you're that you're really wanting to do. Um, One of the best pieces of advice that I got even before I went into admissions just from a friend a long time ago was that you're going to be working for not everyone, but you're, you're likely going to be working for 35, 40 years. So you might as well do something that you love. And if you don't love it, you can change it and you have that opportunity. So you don't have a specific major students don't have specific or common majors. They come from, from all different types of, of majors for your business programs and it really depends on their background and the the direction that they want to head but maybe in in other graduate programs the undergraduate major might be more important like in a health profession maybe we want to maybe a um, a health profession would want someone who has a, some sort of background in sciences or biology or those type of things so that makes that makes a lot of sense to me And now, uh, finally, I want to talk about how students pay for graduate school. And when I look at the sticker price to attend graduate school, I think, man, didn't we just pay all this money to attend my undergraduate school? Or maybe I'm still paying off my undergraduate education. And I'm wondering now, are the costs similar to undergraduate costs? For example, are there, is there tuition? Are there fees and books and these type of things? Yes, and it's a great question, and it depends on the institution that you're applying to. And there's there's public institutions, there's there's private institutions, there you know state institutions. So there there's um, there's a wide range of tuition and fees, but there's also a wide range of scholarships and opportunities offered. So when you talk about the sticker price, I I really like to emphasize to not let the sticker price deter you from reaching out and putting your application through. There's no harm in getting your decision back that you didn't quite get the scholarship that you're looking for. But I can tell you at Bentley University, we're actively awarding merit aid for our MBA program as well as all of our master's programs. And we are active in special scholarship programming. So we have Dean's Leadership 
scholarship opportunities for those that are a member of our professional organization. Um, at the undergraduate level, there's a first gen program where we offer state tuition rates that, for those that qualify. So every every school has a different has a different sort of structure in their aid and, and scholarship and what we can what we can offer and also also what they're looking for in students. So it goes back to the point of of just getting in touch with us, um, ask for an application fee waiver for your school, put in the research and the work to apply and, and see what comes out of it. So I, I can I can say that there's there's much more to just looking on the website and seeing those those tuition costs because they can be daunting. And and we try we try our best to be tra as transparent as possible to show those tuition rates, but to also show what we're offering in terms of of aid packaging and scholarships. That's great. So students can get financial aid in graduate school as well. So you talked about scholarships. You talked about grants. I would imagine there there are some assistantships that that graduate assistantships that might be available, and students can, students can still take out those Stafford loans. And you mentioned specifically some scholarships. And are there? Uh, can you talk speak a little bit more to some of the scholarships that that you provide? Yeah. So we have we have merit scholarships that are based on the competitiveness of your application. So our scholarships are at the graduate school are geared towards the competitiveness of your application and not to do with need-based aid. So we offer um, a range from really 10 to 30% of merit scholarship and, and we'll have um, Dean's leadership scholarships that are associated again with our professional um, organization partnerships. And, and these are more um, geared to underrepresented populations. So if you're a member of uh, Prispanica, which is the Hispanic MBA Association or National Black MBA Association, and we have a partnership with, with those programs and, and many others, you could qualify for, for as much as 50 to 100 uh, percent scholarship. I would say that, that um, those are those might be more limited, but I'd say that um, there is a there is a active number of students, or we're very active in in offering scholarships for those that apply, and really geared towards the fit for our institution and and how we're evaluating your application and seeing how you'll add value to the program that you're looking to attend to. I'd say that for international students, while there's there's no um, federal aid packaging. We have partnerships with uh, Paris Education. Um, a lot of students use Empower, which is uh, loan loan service providers for international students that don't require a co-signer. So these are things. These are examples of things that people might not know about that we try to convey on our website and and lead you to some of these these um, aspects of applying to our program, but. Um, we can give you the best advice on on what we're looking for and, and what you might qualify for. And even if it's in terms of saving money on on opting in for a, a test uh, versus uh, do I qualify for a waiver based on my professional experience. So um, we're always happy to have those kinds of, of conversations. And at the undergraduate level at Bentley, there's, it, I'd say it would be the same thing in terms of 
of offering scholarship based on your competitiveness. And there's a little bit more, um, there's a little bit more towards um, financial need and assessment for, for aid packaging and scholarship on the undergrad. I'd say for graduate level, it's, it's really on the scholarship and about your, your ability to, to do well in our program. And it starts again by making sure that you're, that, that students are doing good work in their undergraduate experiences and really doing everything that they can to strengthen that application. But also back to your point about asking the question, because if I just look at the, at the website and, and um, I don't explore further, I'm going to end up paying a whole bunch more money than if I just raised my hand and asked the question, how is it that I can, or what other types of opportunities do you provide to students to help them afford to pay for, for graduate education? So I think that's great. So that's all the, the content questions that I have. But I think that we will stop there with my questions. I really want to thank you for coming on the show and appreciate you sharing the work that you're doing to help students and helping inspire future college parents to become future college graduate student parents. And that's the, the follow-up to the show. But I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me again and, and to, to families out there looking towards next steps for preparing for college. Best of luck to you and, and hope, all, hope everything goes well. Whoa, I did not realize there are so many paths a student can take to get to graduate school. Andy is so thorough and polished. It's nice to see how passionate he is about helping students at this level. And there is so much that Andy and I discussed in this episode, and I want to share with you five things I learned from my talk with Andy. Number one, utilize campus resources prior to applying for graduate admissions. You can contact admissions professionals to see what is available in terms of application opportunities, competitiveness of applying, and available scholarship opportunities. Number two, allow your student space to determine when the right time is to attend graduate school. Timing should be right for your student and relevant to their career goals. Number three, graduate schools can have standardized entrance exams just as undergraduate institutions do like the SAT or ACT. MBA programs, for example, might require the Graduate Management Admission, or the GMAT, or the Graduate Record Examination, the GRE, to be taken as a part of the application process. Number four, make your graduate school application stand out. Tailor your application essay, interviews, and letters of recommendation towards the school and the program's values and goals, which you've already obtained from that conversations with admissions professionals or even program faculty. This will convey the why you should be admitted by demonstrating your investment in the school and the program. Number five, ways to pay. The sticker price shouldn't sway you from reaching out and applying to graduate school. Graduate programs also offer financial aid in the form of grants, scholarships, assistantships, and loans. Reach out to the school's financial aid professionals to see what types of opportunities they have and can recommend for you based on your situation. Also, don't be afraid to ask for an application fee waiver. What did you learn? Here's your homework. No, there are no homework waivers. Please head to futurecollegeparent.com where you can access the Future College Parent Network and post what you learned by listening to this episode and engage with other listeners so we can learn together. 
Also at futurecollegeparent.com, you can access the show notes for a wealth of information on the items we discussed during the episode and check out all of our social platforms. Hey, while you're at it, please share the podcast widely with other parents, leaders of activities your student is involved in, and your school's administrators so they can share with your school district. You can also let parents know the show is streaming directly from the website and there's no need to download anything. Just point your browser to futurecollegeparent.com and enjoy. The show is also on your favorite podcast platforms as well. I want to thank Andy for coming on the show. Be on the lookout for a new episode on Wednesday, July 13th and continuing Wednesdays every two weeks after. Thanks for listening to the Future College Parent Podcast.